We've been going through Ruth for, this will be our third week this week. And if you haven't been here for the last two, for Ruth 1 and 2, we have those up on the, on the internet now, on our website, so feel free to go there and listen to those. And this will be Ruth 3, and then tomorrow, or not tomorrow, whatever, <laughs> uh, next week, we will, we will be doing Ruth 4 and finish up our series in Ruth. So if you would, open your Bible to Ruth chapter 3. Start at the beginning and get over a few hurdles like Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. And it's right after that, you end up in 1 Samuel. You went too far. It's a little book, but very rich as we've been finding out. I'll read Ruth chapter 3, and then we'll pray and begin. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replies, all, replied, all that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came and softly uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. For now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight in, in the morning. If he will redeem you good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay down at his feet until the morning but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you were wearing and hold it out. So she held it out. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, 
for the man will not rest that will settle the matter today. Please bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we go through Ruth 3, we pray that this sermon would be as you intend it to tell us what is in your word so that we might live by your truth, to live by faith in your Son, Jesus, and to wait patiently and excitedly for his return. In his name we pray, amen. We have so far in Ruth seen the mystery of how God works in people's lives. Sometimes he is working so that it is so clear, and other times he is working and it is unclear. In this, we have, in the book of Ruth, we have three characters, but really two main characters and a supporting role in Boaz. Naomi and Ruth are the main characters, and unique in the Bible, they're the only to women who play main characters and have a whole book devoted to them. So in this unique book, we look at seeing how God is working in these women and how in the past two weeks he has worked both almost unseen as Naomi's husband and two sons died far away from their home, and then how even as Ruth accompanied her back to Bethlehem, how Naomi became bitter against the Lord, but then in chapter 2, how Naomi turns and sees that the Lord continues to be faithful, continues to be good to her, and she is encouraged, and at this point, also, we're introduced to Boaz. Boaz, like I said, is the supporting role that fills in the background of the Redeemer. And we'll find out more about the Redeemer this week and next week. As we go through this week, we'll see that that role of Redeemer comes out and is is shown to us in a way that should encourage us and point us towards Jesus. So as we do that, I'm going to break away in the application and explore that, explore what it means to know Christ, to know him as our Redeemer, and how much greater it is than Boaz. We'll see how Naomi and Ruth seek a redeemer. And then we'll see how they seek his covering. And then how they wait on him with confidence. So those are going to be our three sections this morning. Basically, they sum up our big idea for the sermon. Seek the redeemer and his covering. And wait for him with confidence. 
in my Bible, these are broken up into three paragraphs. So, the first paragraph is verses 1 through 5. So, we'll start there. After spending several months daily going out to do all the work of harvesting, of gleaning, Ruth returns and Naomi is beginning to realize that Ruth is not at rest. Not all is well with Ruth. So Naomi, having her heart softened because of the work that God has done in her own heart, changing her from bitter to thanks to thankful, she turns to her daughter-in-law and says, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? That it may be well with you. Naomi has been thinking about Ruth, has been thinking about how she can encourage her, and since even chapter one, how she can be married. And Naomi has begin begun to to see God's working in. He has put these two, Boaz and Naomi, Boaz and Ruth, together. And that perhaps this is the plan of the Lord, to have him as the Redeemer. She knows she is a close relative that to Boaz, and Boaz could act as the Redeemer, so she sets out this plan. And in 2 to 5, you can see she begins to give instructions. She tells her how to approach Boaz, where he'll be, what he'll be doing, when to approach him, and all but what to say, we're told. And Ruth hears this, gathers it all in her mind, and immediately obeys. To apply this first section, as I said, we're going to kind of break it up into two parts. First, we're just going to look at the example of living by faith that Naomi and Ruth give to us. And then we're going to move to how Christ shows us that he is the greater redeemer. So in seeking a redeemer, Naomi seeks rest for Ruth. Now this is a, a command that we find elsewhere in the Bible where 1 Timothy 5 tells us that younger widows should marry. So Naomi, whether she knew it or not, was seeking the best for Ruth and was trying to get her into a position where she could again marry. And just as Ruth has sought to provide Naomi with all the things that she needs, going out and working for Naomi, working to bring back food to glean from the harvest well, she is taking care of her mother-in-law in obedience. Again, First Timothy 5, where families should not leave the widows to the church, but instead should actively care for them. Those who don't, are, we're told, are worse than unbelievers. So this relationship here is a relationship that is deeply rooted, both being obedient to what God desires for 
the family. So in general, for all believers, we should seek rest for one another. We should seek how it is that we can obey God in order to serve and provide for others. More specifically, let's, let's first look at the friendship that they have here. What friendships do you have in your life that are binding like this? Where you know that you are serving God in your relationship with this person. Now I hope that at least some of those friendships are here among the church. That you can look around the church and know that your friendships are interwoven here. That you are getting a, a rich relationship where both of you are believers and both of you are able to work together to walk this life lived by faith. But also notice that there's a relationship of mentoring here, where Naomi is mentoring Ruth, and they're getting along very well. We'll talk later about the humility that must be present in, in each of their lives. But how Naomi starts out and dives right into the most intimate part of Ruth's life, her marriage life, and we may even be cautious and standoffish about whether we should even approach a subject like that. But these two are perfectly comfortable with that, with this relationship. And Naomi is free to mentor her, her young mentee, Ruth, and tell her, look, this, this is the course you should take. This is the best path for you. And Ruth, on the other end, showing humility saying this I will do she can she is at least as immersed in understanding and uh, confident in Naomi's maturity and biblical understanding and reasoning that she's able to to see that this this comes from God and I will obey that so what kind of relationship are you in beyond just a friendship? Are you in a mentoring relationship where you are both willing to speak into the most intimate parts of someone else's life and then perhaps even in a different relationship to receive on the other end? What, what can I know from this person? And even if they tell me to do something, I believe that it is what God would have me to do and go do. then I don't want to either waste the opportunity or pretend I'm an expert in saying that this is that the one part in the Bible where we get this much information about two women who are very close friends. So I don't want to waste the opportunity and let it pass by and not get back to Ruth where we, we might never look at that relationship again. And at the same time, I don't want to presume that I've ever been in one of those relationships and can tell you much about it. So, I'm going to look back here again at the text. Largely, I've summarized most of it so far. But 
notice the the relationship. Notice that that one this is just a God honoring, God glorifying thing for these women to be in a tight relationship together. Right? It is good to have a good friend who knows you well and has walked with you a long time, serving each other and looking out for the other's good. It is not only a good thing, but a thing that can't be paralleled anywhere else. Uh, you can't parallel it in a marriage, or even with a mother and daughter. Uh, now, these two are mother and daughter, uh, in one sense. Uh, mother and daughter-in-law. So perhaps, maybe, uh, you'll have to tell me. And then, lastly, just to briefly touch on the perhaps sensitive subject of marriage that they tackle, that they, they have a relationship where they're able to talk to each other uh, out of experience. And Naomi can say something about marriage that no one, no one else outside of that relationship could really engage in, right? Can tell her how to be a wife to a husband. Can tell her how, what is better or best to seek in a husband. So, just to briefly touch on that, that might be the role of the older woman is to speak into that, is to offer guidance. Uh, it might break some of our cultural ba boundaries, but that's all right. Uh, it's it's God-honoring. And then in the second way that I said we, we all have and need a Redeemer, we can apply this first paragraph to our need, our need of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're a believer already, then you know this relationship of a Redeemer with Christ. You know that a Redeemer is one who has saved you, has delivered you, has brought you out of bondage, has in some way paid for you that you might have this liberated life. Jesus is, is, as I say, if you're a believer, he is the Redeemer. And you can have confidence that he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not in any way be less of a Redeemer tomorrow than he is right now. That your full ability to obey the Lord and to obey as best you know is because Jesus has completed all that's required for you. And now you can almost obey with abandon. Uh, you can you can be under Christ and know what it is like to be free from sin. You can confront sin with that knowledge that sin does not have and is not your master. But you have a new master, and that master will throw off everything that you might not be entangled and bound up by sin. 
So as much as the believer has a redeemer, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have not humbled yourself before him and asked him to forgive you and asked him to save you, that you have not acknowledged that you are a sinner and that you need salvation, you need a way out of your sinful life, if you haven't looked at even your good works and said, these aren't good enough, if you haven't looked at them and said, I don't even do these right for the right reason, I don't do them for God, I don't try to honor God at all in my life. If you haven't done those things, then you definitely do need a Redeemer. You need a Redeemer who will save you out of sin, who will free you from the bondage of sin, who will help you and get you out of the judgment that is coming. You need someone who will save you, who will give you an easy way, who will give you rest, who will lighten your burden. Jesus Christ is the only Redeemer. Seek after Him. Next, in the second paragraph, we seek his covering. We look at Ruth and Naomi and see how Ruth is now going out in obedience to Naomi and she approaches this threshing floor. So what, what it would have looked like is they, they would go and after they had picked all the grain, removed it, they would have something like a, a big framed sheet almost. Uh, or, or mosquito netting type thing. They would put it all on there and then it being crushed down, they would throw it up in the air a little bit and the breeze would come by and take it just enough to take the, the husks the, that were around the kernel, take it away. So they, they would do this and just continually throw it up in the air and give it a good place that I'm sure Boaz knew about. The, the husks would blow away and they would have their their finished kernel. And then they would take that and store that. You had probably a little covered area where there would be no uh, be no walls on it so they could do this and the, the wind could flow through, but it would be covered from rain and things like that. Uh, direct sunlight keep them cool while they worked. And, and as he did that, uh, or after they did that, they would then pile them. Uh, under this covering, and as the as the owner, he would sleep at the end, most likely to be one route of protection uh, from people stealing. Remember, we're we are in the age of the judges, so that, that comes in in a lot of points uh, throughout this text and throughout all of Ruth. But this is a dangerous time, right? Where people are doing exactly what they want to do. So he's protecting his brain. He's sleeping at the end. And as he does so, uh, Ruth comes in. She lays down, and in a, a cultural way for them, she picks up the corner of his garment and lays under it. Uh, in, in a way, she's proposing marriage to him. She, uh, when, when he wakes up and realizes what's going on, he's going to realize ah, this, this woman is, is basically proposing to me. Uh, and, and he'll realize that she's offering her hand in marriage. 
so she she goes in there, she lies down, he's startled awake. He probably at first thinks he's being robbed. Right? Given the position he's in. Uh he he wakes up but quickly realizes there's a woman laying at his feet and uh of course this is strange for him, so he, he asks who are you and she replies and tells him and she tells him, Ruth, you are a redeemer. Basically, cover me. And if you remember from last week, uh, chapter 2, verse 12, when Boaz is speaking to Ruth, he says to her, and basically prays for her, the Lord repay you for what you have done for a full reward. This is verse 12, chapter 2. A full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So he has noticed that she has come as a believer to seek refuge among the people of God. Again, such as they be under the judges, but still he's seeking refuge from God. And now she's coming to him and telling him, I believe you're that next step in me taking refuge under the wings of God, is taking refuge under your wings. I think you're the redeemer that I should marry to seal and protect us from the many dangers and the difficulties that she would be encountering at this So after she does all this, Boaz responds very well and basically tells her, I am more than willing to be your redeemer. I think we can see the the romance here, the, the connection. That, uh, But Boaz doesn't let that uh, trump anything that has that he knows about God's law, and he knows that one thing about God's law is that with the Redeemer, the Redeemer has to be go in the order of the family. So he knows that there's one that's closer to Naomi, one that is closer to Naomi's husband, that it should be given the ability to redeem first. So he tells her that, and then tells her to lay down and wait. So at this point, we can draw a couple applications. Again, one for believers who would apply this passage by seeking to live obediently and humbly and contentedly. You can see these three in the way that Ruth approached Boaz. Right? First, she is obediently going. And we talked about obedience before, how she is obeying Naomi, she is obeying the, the revealed will of God. So she goes there and obediently presents herself. And then humbly, she humbly gives herself into this very vulnerable position. She doesn't know what he's going to say, what his verdict would be, how he really views her, maybe. It, it could, could be she's misjudging the situation. And then contentedly, 
he just leaves the question out there. And even after he is done speaking and reveals that there's another redeemer, she doesn't object or try to get around the law or but she contentedly says or indicates he's he's going to to wait. The same thing with Boaz. Boaz could be tempted to go and disobey right now, right? This woman has just asked for his hand in marriage. He could take her hand in marriage right now. Or maybe he's greedy and he could take all her land right now. These were the, the things that a redeemer could, would get. He could, he could do these things and, you know, abuse this relationship. But instead he's obedient. He's humble under the Lord and under the law. Uh, again, in a time when the judges, where there was no social pressure for him to obey God, right? This, this was a time where you could do whatever was on your heart. So he gives himself to God and humbly serves under God, even though there's no, there's no pressure from him from outside at all. And then he too is put in a position of waiting. Uh, he has to see what the other redeemer would say. Despite maybe his inclination to, to marry this woman and to begin their lives that they've kind of started out, uh, in working together. Now he has to wait to see what this other man will do. So we too, as believers, should be obedient. And again, like before, being obedient in a way that we are obedient to what we understand. But as we understand it, we are obediently, almost obedient, almost recklessly. Because Christ has done all that we need. So we go as far as we understand. And we do it willingly and God-honoring. And then we do it humbly and contentedly putting ourselves underneath what God would have, no matter what the social impact or influence. In one way, we're living in a time that's a lot like the judges. In another way, we can see a lot more social impact from someone advocating Christianity today and how quickly people turn on it. So we too act in those ways. But for those who do not believe, the covering is entirely different. The covering we must look at is the covering of Christ and his righteousness. If you don't know Christ, then your works presented to God are corrupt and are polluted. And there's no way that they can please a holy God. And you must seek the covering of Christ's perfect righteousness, all his good works you need to put between you and God, that he might see those good works, and he might pay for the punishment of your sins. Lastly, in the last paragraph, we have waiting for him with confidence. Boaz sends Ruth back to her mother-in-law, and as he does so, he protects her 
least two ways. First, he protects her from slander or uh, talking behind her back or his back by sending her away at the time when both she could be sure of some safety because she could see somewhat, but that it was early enough that you couldn't recognize one from another. So her her visit late at night wouldn't be construed by someone as something uh, evil. That before they had gotten married, that anything would have happened between the two of them, right? Wouldn't have been that type of, that would have been the evil that would have been brought to them. This is what you did, you are not married, etc. So he sends her away at that point, and then he provides for her as well. He says, take your garment, put it out, and I will give you all of all of these six measures of grain. And in another, again, he is enforcing his promise. He's enforcing to her that I am going to carry this out. Before this day ends, you will have a redeemer. And I, I will give you this large present to verify, to assure you that that is what I'm doing. And then he sends her away and she returns to Naomi. Naomi is able to read this pretty quick and says, he's given you that gift. He will have it done. He will do it today. You can be sure of that. And then they begin their work. But it is awaiting with extreme confidence. Naomi is confident and she instructs Ruth, you can be confident as well. So believers can learn many things from Boaz and Naomi and even Ruth here. One is that believers need to protect the reputation of others. I had a friend who was always really good at this, maybe too good at it sometimes it seems. But one time I remember he he needed to bring his best friend's fiance about a mile down the road. His best friend had called and and asked him. Now these two guys you couldn't separate them. There there was no there were no trust issues between them. <clears throat> but in order to give her a ride, he needed a third person to go with them and asked me to go down, you know, a mile down the road with them so that there would be an extra person in the car, an extra witness to make sure that nothing was going on in this one mile, you know, two minute trip. And so I, I went and we dropped her off. Of course, nothing happened. Best friends and fiancés and just really wouldn't, right? Uh, and, and we traveled back and I, that sticks in my mind because of the the great uh, respect that he had both for his friend and for his friend's fiance. That he didn't want uh, not not to mention his own ministry as well. That he wanted to be above reproach. He didn't want anyone to be able to come and say, "Oh, this, you know, I saw you riding around with her, or I saw this, or I heard that you did this." Or he wanted to have he wanted to protect her reputation and their reputation. So we should do as much, at least, of 
making sure that people are not uh, slandered. People that the truth, right? We're advocates of the truth. And we should make sure that it is clear even in confusing times. But the major lesson here, of course, is the waiting. Naomi continues to mentor Ruth, and throughout this chapter, we've seen everyone acting. And just as the last chapter we saw, a major portion of it was, it just happened that Ruth was working in the, in the field of Boaz. But now everyone's actively working. They have an understanding of what's going on, of how to, how to please God, and they, they work towards it. And then we get to this point, and they have to wait. Naomi and Ruth have nothing else to do. So if you apply this best for us, I think first, unbelievers, if, if, again, if you have not trusted in Christ, there just is not any waiting. You need run to Christ, you need to, as he says, repent and believe. And as he says in another place, seek the Lord while he is near. This is the time. Now for believers, in one way, our uh, this is our position when we're waiting for God to answer prayer. Now, this is the position we take. We've done as we should. We know he has promised to answer our prayers. We also know that he has promised us only those things that are good. So we must wait to see what that good answer is. You could be in school preparing for college, just waiting with confidence to see where the Lord will put you. Or you could be unemployed, having applied and put yourself out there and now waiting with confidence to see what God will do. You could be a parent waiting for this phase of whatever stress-causing behavior is currently assaulting you via your children and be waiting with confidence for this phase to pass and that next relief to come. You could be at work waiting for your boss to look at your latest project or to evaluate your raise. And you have every reason to wait with confidence that God is working and that he is working for your good. In every case, you do all that you can to obey God, which is never perfect obedience. And you trust God to act for his glory and your good. But even if none of those things come to where you can tell how God has been working for his glory and your good, know that he is. And that you can say with confidence, based on the life and the work and the resurrection of Christ, that as Mark read earlier from Psalm 27, 13, and 14. I believe that I shall look 
upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. For there is nothing that can stop Jesus from being our Redeemer. There is nothing that can remove his covering of righteousness from us. And there is a promise of his sure return that will end our patient waiting. Bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that any here that do not have a Redeemer would find the only Redeemer, Jesus Christ, to be covered by him and to wait for his return. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to remember that you have given a greater Redeemer than even Boaz pointed to. A more honest, more careful, more loving, more protecting, more powerful, more beautiful and wonderful a Redeemer. That His covering is greater. That He cannot be paralleled in His good works. Or His willingness to obey even unto death. Father, we pray for your strength to wait with confidence. And at the same time, we ask that our waiting would soon be ended. You would send your son Jesus back. In his name we pray. Amen.